Well, good morning, everybody, and we'd like to, first of all, welcome all our campuses from Kaitaia down to Rotorua. Thank you for joining us this morning. <clears throat> Always good to have you all with us. Well, for those of you who don't know, I'm heading off to the United Kingdom, to Birmingham, flying out on Tuesday evening. So I'll arrive there Wednesday morning because uh, the United Kingdom is, I think, 11 hours behind us. So across campuses, we'd love you to please pray uh, for our very first adventure. Some people just think we're crazy trying to run a conference from New Zealand to the, at the other end of the world. But hey, we think it's a God thing. So would you please pray for us while you're away? If some of you can choose to, to fast the Thursday or the Friday or the Saturday or all three, just your investment. You're not there, but it is your conference. Can you just tell the person next to you, this is your conference? Yeah. Come on, Krampuses, I want you to do it as well. Because that's the truth of it, isn't it? If none of you were here, <laughs> there would be no conference. If none of you gave, there would be no conference. So please do remember to pray for us. Also, today is Media Sunday. And so we're going to pray for all media across the nation saved and unsaved, godly and ungodly. They all need our prayers. But let's remember that Church Unlimited has a massive media ministry. Do you know, we're the only church in the nation that actually has a radio, the television, and a magazine. Did you know that? No one else has that. It's just not that we went looking for it. It's just the hand of God because He wants the message of Church Unlimited to go across this nation and now into a a hundred plus nations of the world. So if there's any church that should pray on Media Sunday, it's Church Unlimited. So cross campuses, stand with me, please. All right. A bit of music in the background will be great. I'm not sure you can arrange it up there, but I know we can do it here. So that will be awesome. So would you just join with me, folks, in prayer? Father, we just come to you right now, and we just thank you for the unbelievable media arm that you've given Church Unlimited and running with fire. Father, the radio, the television, the magazine. But Father, we pray for all media ministries, Lord, across the nation of New Zealand. Lord, particularly those that are Christian like Rima and Shine, Father. Lord, and others, Father, we pray. Father, would you expand their reach? Father, would you strengthen their hands? Would you increase the, the viewers, the listeners, Father, Lord, would you release finances into all of these ministries, Father? And Lord, would you take media, Christian media, to a whole new place, a whole new level, Father, that this nation might be impacted with the gospel of Jesus Christ and we would turn New Zealand and other nations to you. We pray for all media outlets, Father, that your hand would be upon them and Lord, that the message of Christ, of godliness, Lord, would come through, Father. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Well, grab a seat this morning. Father, bless your word. Give us revelation. Revelation, Father. Not just information. Lord, let us see something this morning we've never seen before. Lord, that's going to change our lives. It's going to help us in our daily walk. Anoint your servant, Father. By your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Well, the best preachers in the world, you can name them if you like, they've had their chance. And the gospel in the West has made very little progress. The church is having little impact on society today. They need to step down. It's time to bring out the big guns. Those who are going to preach with power, who are going to see transformation and bring revival. Heaven's waited a long time for this incredible army of preachers to arise across the nations of the world. They are the key and will be the key to reaching this nation and beyond. They're going to preach nonstop every day with power. Who is this last day's army that is going to shake the globe? I'm talking about every one of you across our campuses today. Powerful, anointed, full-time ministers, preachers in the workplace, in the community, in the school, street, home, wherever God has placed you. It is this army that is going to change nations. Every one of us mobilized as powerful, anointed, full-time ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, be it in the workplace, in your street, in your home, in your school, university, it doesn't matter. We know that the best preachers across the globe, and there are by thousands of them, they've not managed to impact society, but I believe this army of preachers will. They're going to bring transformation. They're going to bring change. Pete Hammond once studied 40 of the highest profile people in the Bible. And he found these were examples of men and women of great faith like Abraham and Moses and Esther and David and Joseph and Sarah. On the list goes. And he found this. Three out of four, 75% of them never had what we call a religious job. 75% of them were never priests or pastors or missionaries. 75% of them never left the workplace They were there for their entire lives in what we call secular jobs. And these are the champions. These are the heroes of faith that brought transformation to their communities, to their cities, and to their nations. This is the powerful end-time army of God that is going to arise across this nation and the nations of the world. And we have a part in inspiring, promoting, and bringing this to pass in Jesus' name. That's part of the vision of New Zealand and beyond. So Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's your calling in the workplace. Let me give you a testimony that comes out of Church Unlimited Kaitaia. In the process of applying for a horticultural work, Sally Ann Garrett, as you know, Pastor Paul and Sally Ann run Church Unlimited Kaitaia, and her church friend Denise were applying for a job as they were doing it. One of the other workers said, uh, hey, the atmosphere in that place is not good. It's going to be really tough on two Christian women. Undeterred, they began as full-time, powerful, anointed ministers of the gospel in the workplace to work there 15 months ago. They say through prayer, great attitudes, love, taking baking, they have changed the atmosphere of that workplace. There is less anger, less yelling, less swearing, 
They're now experiencing the favor of management and supervisors. A few weeks ago, one of the ladies who they worked with asked if she could come to church. And after years away from God, rededicated her life to Jesus Christ. Friends, this is... This is the great preaching. This is the end time army of God that's going to rise across the planet. I can't tell you how excited I am because I'm finally getting the revelation that this is how we will get the job done. Forget about the preachers in the pulpit and those on the, uh, that you can see on the internet and all the rest. Watch them if you like. But this is the army, friends. Tens and thousands, millions across the globe who will change the world. These two ladies, their preaching was so powerful, they brought transformation and salvation to their workplace, which I can't do from this platform. Their preaching is better than mine. To change any city, nation, we need to integrate and connect our faith and our work. The reason is this is where you spend the best hours of most days between 20, 30, 50, up to 60 plus hours per week. So work in the marketplace or in the school or in your street, wherever you are, is a massive part of your life. So if there's one place you need to know how to live out, live out your faith in a way that pleases God, it's in the workplace. It's in the school. It's in your street. It's also the place where you, we need the light of the gospel to shine because that's where the lost people are. So they are drawn to Jesus. The workplace is the most neglected mission field in the world. Turn with me to Genesis 2 and verse 15. We read these words. Then the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. In other words, he put him in the garden to work. I want to acknowledge some of these thoughts come from Tim Keller. In the original paradise in Eden, God puts work. When paradise is restored, there will still be work. You will work in heaven, folks, believe me. People have had visions. People have seen heaven. One of the things they say, it's amazing how similar heaven is to earth except for the consequences of sin. There is work to be done in heaven, and what you do here is a part of preparing you for it moving forward. So it's important up for us this, today across our campuses to see the primary importance of value, the dignity of all work, of your work. You see, all other creation accounts say that work is evil, Demeaning. The Greek myth that you may know about, Pandora is given a box by the Greek gods. Everything in the world has been good, so told, don't open the box. Whatever you do, don't open the box. But the box is open. And all the evils come out, including work. It's an evil in these other creation accounts. A Mesopotamian myth, the gods create the world. Then the chief god said, I'm going to bring into being a lowly, primitive creature. I'll call him man, and he will do all the work so the gods may have rest. The thought there being that work was too demeaning for gods, so humans were created. 
They say you can look out, go into one after another creation myth, and you're going to always find the accounts of work bring it out as demeaning, as evil, and bad. In sharp contrast, in total contrast, when our God created mankind or created the world in Genesis, we see God working with his hands in the dirt. Yeah, he is. Enjoying his work. Everything he looked at, everything he did, all the work he did, he said it is good. So when he creates a perfect world that is without sin, he puts humans in Eden and he gives them work to do. Now listen. He gives them work because in God's order, work is what makes for a good life, an enjoyable life, a rewarding life, a fulfilling life. You take work out and you'll never ever experience that. So understanding work from a biblical perspective is absolutely critical and essential to a happy life. If you don't understand this, you will be miserable until you stop work, and then you'll still be miserable. <laughs> See, the God of the Bible was a manual laborer, had his hands in the dirt. Now watch this. When God comes into the world in the form of a man, he doesn't come as a Greek God would. It doesn't come as a Roman God would, probably as a general. He comes as a carpenter. A what? Worker. That's a massive statement. It's an enormous statement that validates that work is what you're created for. It's God's plan. It's God's attention. And so we would be left in no Doubt whatsoever. Jesus himself comes as a manual laborer. Isn't that extraordinary? And he brings dignity to work. We are made for work. So all work is of great value. All work. Even what we may call menial work. What's happened to my props? <laughs> oh, there they are. Look at them, they're hidden away. So, you may be a sweeper. Doesn't need a bit of sweeping, actually. <laughs> Let's get this, get this job done. You may be a sweeper. You clean houses. Yeah, it's important to do that. Do you know why it's important to do that? I've been to countries where they don't clean streets, places that well. And people eventually get so sick because disease is rampant. People die. Without cleaners, people die. Try not clean, don't try this, but try not cleaning your house or doing the dishes for a year someone's probably going to die or get very, very sick. Is that right? Yeah. 
There's dignity in cleaning. And my wife just said, you better listen to your preaching. <laughs> Maybe you work on the streets, you know, digging away and cleaning up and sorting out the broken roads. Why? To stop accidents, get rid of potholes. Put straight lines that people can drive on the right side of the road. So maybe you do one of those two. Or you may, uh, I don't know, be an electrician or a person who, a bit like me, carries around with tools. And, you know, you fix things, you repair things. Wouldn't it be sad if there was no one who would ever come and repair your lights when they stopped working or the toilet when it got blocked or other things that may happen God cares for you through workers. He shows his love for you, for those that we may even despise. Or maybe you're a bit more like me and you sit behind a desk with a computer and all day and every day, <laughs> away you go. You're working. Whether it's in an office, whether it's out on the streets, it doesn't matter. It's all work. Because work is how God runs the world. If everyone stopped working, there'd be no plane on Tuesday night for me to fly. That guy might think he's doing a menial, terrible task. Just, well, he may feel he may be sick of flying. Might think, well, I'm wasting my life. He doesn't know he's going to get me to the United Kingdom and we're going to change that nation by the grace of God. There's dignity in all work. So we're going to try and really bring this out as fully as we can. So Jamie Winship knew as a policeman he'd be dealing with people in extreme crisis. So he had a deep desire to share his faith on the job. One of the first people to try to talk to, do, talk to was a street-hardened sergeant. And Winship said, I was barely able to tell him that I was a Christian before he interrupted and said to me, what kind of a cop are you going to be? I said, I don't know. And the sergeant said, neither do I. But when you prove yourself to be a good cop, then come and talk to me about your God. The end of two years, Winship was named officer at the year. The ceremony, he wore his uniform, and he said every day he wore it in service to Christ. After the event, the street-hardened sergeant congratulated him and said, okay, I'm now ready to talk about your God. He was salt and light. He was one of these powerful, end-time, full-time anointed ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, bringing transformation into the place where the lost are, where those who need to know about Jesus are. He did a tremendous job. And here's the challenge. See, he was salt and light, and he preached by the way he worked. And the challenge to every one of us here today is, Make your goal to be the best employee in your company. Make it your goal to be the best employee in your company. All right, right now, across all campuses, I want you to ask the person next to you, are you the best employee in your company? Nice and loud. Come on, do it. 
Now listen, listen carefully, please. That may sound funny, it may sound a joke, but our nation is depending on this. It's depending on you being the best worker in your workplace, being salt, being light, bringing kingdom to where God has placed you so people begin to ask you about Jesus. If you're not a good worker in your company, please don't talk about Jesus because you're bad advertising. Give them an appetite for Jesus by your life, by being the, I didn't say the most skilled worker, I just said the best worker, the one that the bosses talk about. Are your bosses talking about you, how good you are as a worker? It's what you need to be, friends. That's salt and that's light. Some people feel enslaved in the workplace. They feel that's why the reason you have songs like Monday, Monday. Or why people say, thank God it's Friday. Or why the hours after the workday ends are called happy hour. Finished work. If that's you, you've missed the whole point. Surveys tell us this. Seven out of ten people are dissatisfied with their jobs. Seven out of ten. And dread going to work. But it doesn't need to be that way, friends, if you have a biblical understanding of what work is all about. Martin Luther brought out the dignity of work. He said in the Bible, God feeds everyone. How does he feed everyone? Well, food doesn't just magically appear on your table, does it? No, God feeds us through farmers, drivers who transport the food, and those who milk cows, because these are the fingers of God. Feeding you, caring for his creation, loving you through ordinary work. Luther found, and he brings it out so well, that scripture talks about how God protects society, the bars of the gates and that sort of stuff. Well, how does God do that? Through laws, through law enforcement, through police officers, through government. All work is God caring for his creation. That brings dignity to work. Understanding this makes a massive difference. And one of the sad things that's emerged in society today is we give more value to high-paying jobs. You know, so status jobs, skill jobs. No one wants a low-level, low-status job. But if you have your Christian theology right, you will no longer look down on anyone. Wouldn't that be awesome? And I think Church Unlimited is good as that. So whether you are a, a sweeper or whether you are a CEO in a company, friends, in God's eyes, it's all work. It's all value. It's all looking after His creation. One is not more valuable than another. No individual is more valuable than another individual. We have uh, such class snobbery in the world today, but it is so wrong. God created us all in His image. No one is superior. We are all equal. And so no, what a no matter what job we have, friends... It is a value. It has dignity. And I just wonder when it all comes up in the wash, whether God won't be more pleased with the street sweeper than with the CEO. It may just happen that way. I don't know. But I don't think it's a matter of how, what you do. I think it's an issue of how you do it and who you do it for. You can be a... I'm not finished. 
You can be a CEO for yourself or a street sweeper for the glory of God. Work, the dignity of work. See, one of the traps I see that people, is that people end up in jobs they don't like or they're not gifted for, and they're dying on the inside. This often can happen through the pressure of parents or our own pursuit of status. We want a status job or a wealth job. I applied for med school because my parents would have liked that. Thank God I was rejected. <laughs> I would have been a useless doctor. See, many of us will be unhappy if we don't see the value of all work. Do you know if you're doing your work well, you're actually doing the will of God? That's all it is. To work in a God-honoring way is just to do it well. How are you doing, campuses? You all all right up there? Tomorrow I know you're going to all be, have a big smile on your face as you go to work, thinking, man, this is so cool. Aren't you? Everyone say amen. Thank you. I heard that. <laughs> so Genesis 11, verse 4. Come, let us build ourselves a city, a tower whose top is in heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. So we see work going all wrong at the Tower of Babel. Very early, isn't it? In Genesis 11. Didn't take long. So they got together to work to make a name for themselves. They worked for status. They worked for power. They worked for pride. Look at me. The great tower I have built. See this in Daniel 4, Nebuchadnezzar says, this is not the great Babylon I have built. When we go down that road, friends, it all gets broken. We lose our way. Because our motivations are all wrong. It's easy to think like this. If I do my job well, if I'm successful, paid well, people are going to admire me. I'm going to feel good about myself. I'm going to feel I've got worth and I've got value. When that's your focus, that's what happened at Babel. When work is all about me and my progress, then often you have to tread on others and use others because it's all about you. And that's what we see in our world today. That's why work is broken. All the motivation is wrong. It's all about my self-advancement. How can I get up the ladder? How can I get more money? How can I look good? How can I be better than the person next to me? How can I get people to look at me? Oh, look at how good he is. Friends, it's, you know what you should be doing in your workplace? Look at how good he is. Did you get that? Look how good he is. Not how good I am. That's just pride. That's what got Satan out of heaven. Look at how good I am. Look at me. If you can't deal with look at me, you'll always be miserable in your job. Because no matter how much people look at you, it's never going to satisfy you. So what's the counter to all this? You've got to see yourself as employed by God, fulfilling your calling as a market plate minister to be light and salt in the dark world. That's what you've got to see. You've got to work 
for the glory of God, to please Him. So what do you ultimately work for is your biggest question. Go away and examine that. What am I working? Why am I going to? Why am I doing this? Because if the reasons are wrong, your work is broken. And when your work is broken, (laughs) it's exhausting. (laughs) And no amount of annual leave or vacations are going to fix it. Just won't do it. But if you can change this all around, see work as God sees it, begin to work for His glory, begin to be salt and light, it will all change. John Coltrane was a great jazz saxophonist. In his album called Love Supreme, he wrote a line of notes with these famous words. In 1957, he said, I experienced by the grace of God a spiritual awakening. At that time, in gratitude, I humbly asked him, asked to be given the means and privilege, listen to this, to make others happy through music, to inspire them for living meaningful lives. The way he used to do his work was this. He would say if he, was do, if, if he was doing well in his music and people recognized him, then he would feel good about himself. He would feel significant. He'd have meaning in life. It was all about him. If I do well. But then with this encounter, God changed the reason he did music. And now he played music for God and to make others happy. No longer to be highly regarded by others. No longer to look at me how good I am. It's now for God and now for others. If you can make that shift, folks, (laughs) if I can make that shift, we will find great joy, great fulfillment, great meaning and purpose in whatever we do. Whether we're digging roads (laughs) with this or whether we're in management behind a computer, all comes down to why and the reasons for which you do your work. So knowing we're made in the image of God, we're so valuable to Christ. That's the only way, friends, we're going to know our true value and our worth. It comes from God. Your value was declared on the cross. When Jesus died for your sins, if you were the only person on the planet, he would have done it for you. You are value, your value is equated to the value of the Son of God, and there's no value you can put on that. You don't need to prove your worth. You are. Jesus has made you of worth. You are of value. And if you want to find meaning and purpose in life, you're going to find it only one place through Jesus Christ. If you don't have that understanding, if we look for meaning in life, self-worth only through our work, then we're going to work to save our souls. (laughs) It's going to be a bondage, and it's going to wreck your life. It will exhaust you. Calvin Miller said, the man who is job-centered has more anxieties about his work than the man who is God-centered. Tomorrow when you go to work, be God-centered, not job-centered. One will exhaust you, one, the other will delight you and give you peace. Our work changes in a wonderful way when we embrace working to please God. And here we are, Colossians 3, 23 to 24, makes it very clear. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. You got that? Who are you working for? Jesus. God. Not that boss of yours. There's a boss behind your boss. 
the boss. Keep your eyes on him. Work for him. It'll all change. This is whether we're in a secular job, so-called, or a spiritual job. It's all the same for all of us. This is all for me as well. Then it keeps on going, as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. Tim Keller says, Babylon and Egypt were not the ultimate exile. You know when God's people for sin and that were sent to Babylon and cast out and to exile away from their homeland. He said that wasn't the ultimate exile. The ultimate exile happened in Eden when Adam and Eve decided to live for themselves and God exiled them from his presence. That's the worst exile. And the marks of exile, which we see in all around us in the world today, are bondage, restlessness, loss of hope, no purpose. The whole human race is an exile away from God, working to find purpose in life, and it is a total mess and a disaster out there. Dog eat dog. It's a, it's a tragedy of tragedies because we're in exile, cast out of the Garden of Eden. So work has become like slavery. It's exhausting to many. And God made a symbol of it right at the very beginning, didn't he, with the thorns coming out of the ground. It's going to be thorns. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. But then Jesus came. How did he come? He came as a worker. He came as a wanderer. Foxes have holes, birds have nests. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And he also gets the crown, the, the, the thorns. He takes the thorns, smashed into his skull. On the cross, he deals with our restlessness, our emptiness, our exile, the penalty of sin. You see, every curse is broken through the cross. When your work has become a curse, when it's become a bondage, it is broken through the cross. As you begin to understand a biblical perspective of what work really is all about. If you try and find value and purpose in life by working hard, getting status, it will destroy you. And guess what? It will probably destroy your family in the process. Don't do that. The cross assures us of our value. That's where we find meaning. That's where we find rest. That's where we find freedom. You only find it in a close relationship with God, a close walk with him. Then you offer your work up to God. And your goal is to love and serve others through your work. Serve God through your work. And fulfill your calling as a powerful, anointed, full-time minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It really is, friends, time to bring out the big guns. This incredible end-time army of full-time, powerful, anointed ministers of the gospel. God's depending on it. He's depending on you. He really is depending on you as one of his great preachers on the planet. We've always thought the preaching was from the pulpit. That's been a huge mistake. No. The best preaching is tomorrow in the workplace. That's where it counts. That's where it matters. That's where the lost are. 
you get a few lost in Airshore, but they're out there in the hundreds and thousands. We need to ramp up our preaching. I need to preach better. You need to preach better. And if we will, we will bring transformation. We will fulfill the vision of New Zealand and beyond. Bring transformation to the workplace. Bring heaven to earth. This is your time. Go and preach with power. Be salt. Be light. And watch God bring transformation to this great city, nation, and into the nations of the world. Amen.